hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. We finished up in Matthew chapter 7 as we're fitting up the Beatitudes. And so I'm picking back up at 8 verse 1, Matthew 8 verse 1. I'm going to do a quick review up until we get to the scriptures where I took my text. And so, Matthew 8, 1 says, When he had come down from the mountain, talking about the Beatitudes, he's on the, he's on the, he's on the mount, and great multitudes followed him. And the rest of the chapter, and I'm going to kind of highlight the thing, Jesus cleanses a leper. He heals a centurion's servant. Peter's mother-in-law got sick and he healed her. And many others are healed. Matthew 8.18 says, And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Now, the next verse is Luke's scripture on the same storyline. I'm going to jump there because Luke's story has so much in it, but I'm going to come back to Matthew. Here's what it says in Luke 8, 22. It says, now when it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time together. We thank you that you so loved us that you gave your life for us. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being here tonight. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd minister to us as only you can. Hide me behind the cross and use me, Lord, to bring glory to your name. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So they launched out to the other side. So I'm kind of going to highlight what we looked at. It says, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. You say, but I thought this was called the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, it was. That lake was so big they thought it was the sea, huh? They called it the Sea of Galilee, but it was just a big lake. So, Jesus made a promise to his disciples. The reason why I'm saying this is because you're going to see how things play out in this storyline. He didn't say, let us perish in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. He promised his disciples that they would cross to the other side of the lake. And so, they launch out. Luke 8, 22. Oops, let's stay right there. The Sea of Galilee is 13 miles long at its longest, and eight miles wide and its widest. That's a good lake. Now, we know that Jonah was disobedient, and he ended up in that water, right? The storyline of Jonah because of his disobedience. But the disciples got into the storm because of their obedience to the Lord. The Lord told them, we're going to go to the other side. So... Luke 8, 23 says, But as they sailed, he fell asleep. 
Now, I'm not much of a sailor. I remember a trade show that I was at in Desden, Florida. It's on the Gulf side of Florida. Some of you are nodding, you know where that's at. And I was telling my boss, you know, yes, it's my account. Yes, they're all fishing. I'm not a good fisherman. Not even a good fisherman. I'm not even a good sailor. And he said, now, this is your account. I mean, it was a big account. Cox Cable was the account. All of Phoenix, all of San Diego, and most of the country. It was a big account to me. He says, so you're going to go. Oh, I put on quite the show. Little did I know they were recording it all. <laughs> and so at my retirement party, guess what they played? <laughs> so that's my memory of being out there on that ocean, uh, out there on that water, okay? But a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy, or they felt they were in jeopardy. So as this is happening to them, they sailed. He fell asleep. They're out on the water. Windstorms pick up. I don't know if it's maybe rocking Jesus like a baby, but he slept through the whole thing. Huh? And so showed his true humanity by the fact that he needed to sleep. He became tired and would sometimes need to catch sleep whenever he was able to even get it in an unlikely place. And here he got it. And, you know, as I was thinking about this and thinking about ministry over the years and all the years, and there's times that we have to get away and to be able to take some time to be able to pull aside, to, re, you know, to kind of juice back up, if you would. Huh? It's hard to give when you're pretty well given out. And I thought about the crowds and Jesus and all that he was enduring, and yet we, well, we know he's Jesus, but yet he, had a, he was a human man. And I can imagine how overwhelmed that time his body got as he was dealing with all of this kind of stuff. So, next slide, please. It was the sleep of one worn out by an intense life involving constant strain on the body and mind. His mind and heart was peaceful, trusting in the love and care of his father in heaven that he could sleep in the storm. That'd be pretty wore out, wouldn't it? I don't think I've been sleeping at all, especially when it got like that. So, next slide, please. Oh, you, that's it, okay, you're ahead of me, that's okay though. A windstorm came down on the lake the Sea of Galilee is well known for its sudden violent storms, okay? That's very well known. The severity of the storm is evident in the fact that the disciples, many of which were experienced fishermen on this very sea, were terrified. These were fishermen that were terrified of what was coming on. And so, Luke 8, 24 says this, and they came to him. Can you imagine? He's finally getting some sleep. They came to him and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. 
Then he arose, rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and they, there was a calm. Now, you would think that they'd been happy with that. But you're going to see they were just as terrified at that as there was when the storm was, was raging. So, let's break it down. And they woke. They, they came to him and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. The disciples did not take comfort from the sleeping Jesus and suppose that if he was at rest, all would be fine. They needed his help, so they woke him up. And that's what they should have done. If Jesus is in that boat, they shouldn't have been afraid. They should have known, yes, it's raging and all this is happening, but Jesus is here with us. And Jesus is the one who said, we're going to go do this. And so they awoke him. The we in the cry, master, master, we perish, including him as well as them. If that boat went down, all went with it. His mission, their hopes, the great enterprises which he had called them to do, the fellowship with himself to carry out, all had been lost. How often... Are we over-anxious about the enterprises of our Lord? Especially us that's in ministry. Yes, it can, it can be overwhelming. We can get anxious. And there's times that we need to go get some rest. But in the hour of the storm, we imagine everything is about to perish. And you know what? We do the same thing, don't we? Things happen, things go a certain way, all's going to be lost. How often are we over-anxious about the enterprises of our Lord in the hour of the storm? We imagine everything is about, we're going to perish, we're going to die, all is lost. No, it's not. He arose and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. Jesus didn't merely, I'm going to talk about this a little later. Jesus didn't merely quiet the wind of the sea. He rebuked the wind and the sea. Now, he never cursed creation ever. That's not what he's doing here. But he rebuked the wind and the sea. This along with the disciples' great fear and what Jesus would confront at the destination that they're going to gives a sense that Satan had a significant hand in this storm. Luke 8, 25 said, but he said to them, and he didn't go say, yeah, wow, well, thanks for waking me up. Wow, what a storm this was. No, that's not the conversation. He says, where's your faith? Where is your faith? Jesus did not say, wow, what a storm. Instead, he asked, where is your faith? The storm could not disturb Jesus. But the unbelief of his disciples could and did. You see that? Storm didn't wake them up. But their unbelief did. 
His first question was, where's your faith? Difficult circumstances, storms, so to speak, are not the evidence of unbelief. Unbelief is the rejection of the promise or a command of God relevant to a particular situation. In this one, Jesus told them, get on the boat, we're going to go to the other side. But they got to a point in that circumstance that they did not believe that that was going to happen. If Jesus don't wake up, we are going to perish. The disciples should have known that God would not allow the Messiah to perish in a boat crossing the Sea of Galilee. It was not possible for the story of Jesus, the Messiah, to end with him drowning on the Sea of Galilee. It's impossible. And they should have known that. Next slide, please. The account shows the abiding care Jesus has for his people. There are many Christians today who think the boat is going down. Huh? And it's times we live in and all the circumstances and all the craziness and all the things that's happening. What is going on? I tell you, church, he's in control of what is happening. Yes, crazy things might be happening, but he's very much in control. There are many Christians that think that the boat's going down. The boat cannot go down if Jesus is on board. Cannot go down. So Luke 8.25, they were afraid. He calms it down. He stops all the raging winds, and they're still afraid. They were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. That's quite a sight, isn't it? They were afraid and marveled, it says. The total calm of the sea should have filled them with peace. But instead, they were just as afraid when it was calm in the storm as they were in the midst of the storm. They were just afraid. The disciples were amazed. Such a powerful display over creation led them to ask, who can this be? It could only be the Lord who only has the power and authority. Psalms 89, 8 and 9 says this, O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty like you? O Lord, your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule the raging sea when its waves rise, and you still them. Huh? They not only got a glimpse of his humanity, they got a glimpse of who he really is. Psalms 89.9. In the span of a few moments, the disciples saw both the complex, the complete humanity of Jesus in his tired sleep, but he also saw the fullness of his deity. They saw Jesus for who he is, truly man and truly God. Luke 8, 26. 
Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. To the country of the Gadarenes. This was the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. In the most Gentile area of Decapolis, the Gentile cities of the broader region. That's where they were as they crossed over onto that side. Luke 8. Get here and see if I get in the light and be able to read this. I might turn around so I can do this, okay? Luke 8, 27 through 29. And when he stepped out of the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house but in the tombs. But when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for he had often seized him, and he was kept under guard. He was bound with chains, and shackles, and he broke the bounds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. It's quite a story, isn't it? And we're going to get a glimpse of this as we're talking this story here. As he's going back, turn this page here. Now back to Matthew. Matthew 8. 28 and 29. And the reason why I read this one, because it talks differently here than Luke. Mark talks about this account differently. Matthew tells something here that none of the others talked about. This is when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes. Two demons possessed men coming from the tombs met him. And they were so violent that no one could pass that way. Now, it's amazing that they found him. Verse 29 says, What do you want with us, Son of God? They shouted, Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Notice what those demons are saying. You are here in the now... And it's not yet. What are you doing here? Do you see that? That's why I called it the now and the not yet. The question of the demon was, what are you doing here? The time is not yet and you've come now. You think, it, well, the demon wasn't glad, but the man's going to be. Uh-huh. John twelve thirty one says this, Now is the judgment of this world, and now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Talking about the enemy. As you're very much aware of and know, there is a battle going on for the souls of men between two kingdoms. Kingdom of darkness 
and a kingdom of light. In Luke 11, 14 through 16, and I'm going to talk and tell a different story for a good reason. You'll see. It'll make a sense in a minute. 11, 14 through 16. Get here where I can see. more page. This is a different demon, a different story, but there's a reason why I'm doing this. Verse 14 says, and he was casting out a demon and it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out of the mute, the mute spoke and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven. So you had two groups here. One saying, oh, he does this from the power of Satan. And the other one says, well, I haven't seen enough yet. Can you do some more to maybe convince me? So he was casting out a demon and it was mute. The reason why this is very important and when Jesus spoke, because, see, they had, the Jewish people, they had their own exorcists. They had their own guys that would come and pray for over those that had demons. And there was a belief that the Jews in Jesus' day had their own exorcists who sought to cast demons out of the people. But they believed that they had to make the demon reveal his name or they had no authority over the demon to cast it out. So they're thinking, well, this, this demon was smart. He made the man mute so he can't speak. So now Jesus is never going to be able to cast him out because he can't call his name. He's Jesus. You don't need that. Uh-huh. He cast out that demon, and they marveled. They marveled at what? That he was able to do that and not know the demon's name. And he still casted them out, and that demon had to go. And that's why some of them said, well, he did that from the power of Beelzebub. That's a, a weird name. They made a movie. Not, they didn't use that word. Remember the movie Lord of the Flies? Huh? That's what Beelzebub means, Lord of the Flies. It's talking about Satan over the demons. Casted them out. Said some of the demons by Elizabeth, the ruler of the demons. When people saw this great work, there were two reactions. Some attributed the working of Jesus to Satan, and some wanted to see more miracles before they believed. Testing him, they sought a sign from heaven. That's what they were wanting to do. They sought a sign from heaven. Luke 8:28 says, but when he saw Jesus, he cried out. He fell down before him. And I like Luke's account because Matthew's account just said this, son of God, what are you doing here? Notice what he does here. What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? 
This demon is calling Jesus by his name. Why was he doing that? Because he did not want to get cast out. He thought he could stay. If I call his name instead of him calling mine, maybe I can stop him from casting me out. There's more at play in this than just what we read there. And so, he didn't want to get cast out. And that's why he said he fell down and he begged him, oh, what, what am I going to do with you? Because he didn't want to go. He didn't want to get cast out. I beg you, do not torment me. Well, oh, he's not tormenting him. He, you're just going to have to leave that body. Well, he didn't want to leave that body. I guess there's some demons that like living in people or living in the body. But there's a battle setting up here. Luke 8.30. Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? Now, he may have done that because that was the custom of the day. Jesus didn't know, need to know his name. Or he may have called his name knowing that all this was being penned down, that he wanted us to understand that more, that there's more than one demon here. Jesus asked him, what's your name? He said, Legion. Because many demons have entered him. Now, Legion is not a name. Jesus probably asked him the demons so that we could know the full extent of the problem. That's possibly it. That the man was filled with many demons and not only one. So, Note, the name, that legion is not a name. See, that demon was being evasive. He was even trying to be a threat. Oh, you think I'm coming out this easy? I called you by your name. We're not going anywhere, Jesus. And by the way, there's 6,000 of us in here. Now, I doubt that that was true. But that's what legion means. Legion, I think it was a trying to attempt to intimidate the Lord. A Roman legion usually consisted of 6,000 men. And that's why he used that as a, I am legion. Jesus stepped into this world system, the not yet, began to affect the now. Aren't you glad he did? Jesus, the future kingdom, is now suddenly presented with us. And even in this circumstance, there's a, demon, there's a man there that, and, and in other stories, in the other gospels, it, it talks about how they, he was a cutter. He takes stones and he cut himself. The demon would have to do that. He was naked. He ran around in the tombs and the graveyards and lived with, with the dead. It was a terrible existence for that man. And I find amazing that Jesus, in his love for humanity, he left the multitudes and they had great needs. But he, there was a man on the other side of this lake that needed deliverance from Jesus Christ. And he said, we're going to go to the other side of the lake. Aren't you glad Jesus does that? So, Jesus stepped into this world system, the not yet, to begin to affect the now. Jesus is the future kingdom is now suddenly present with us. Very powerful 
thing. Next slide, please. Matthew 12, 28. It says, but if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you, and we could add, now. Huh? That's what he's telling him. You think the devil's doing this? You think I'm, I'm, I'm doing this by Satan? But if I'm driving out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Luke eleven twenty is the counterpart for this same thing. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. With this, Jesus answered the charge that, remember they charged him he's a partner with the devil. He said, I'm not under Satan. Instead, I'm proving that I am stronger than he is. Thus, by the finger of God, I cast out demons. The reason why I put thus in there, because there are some people that say, well, they, because it says if. Well, if is a doubt, and they get into a whole tangent on that. That's not what he was saying. He was not saying that kind of thing. He was saying, thus, by the finger of God, I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Two ages exist. They coexist in this world, the now and the not yet. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And there's a battle that's going on. And the question is, whose side are you on? There is a side to take in this battle. And we're so glad that Jesus came. He came and took on flesh. John says it in John 1.14, and he became flesh and dwelt among us. He wills willing to leave glory, to take on human flesh, to be able to go to the cross to pay our sin debt. The not yet came to change the now, to change the now by his shed blood that we could be delivered and be a part now of the not yet, but that our not yet has now become the now. And we really understand what Jesus did at that cross. Jesus died and had victory over death. He died and had victory over death. Resurrection came. He is that first resurrection. And by that same power, one day we will be resurrected. That's a hallelujah moment, church. Oh, aren't you glad that he loves us that much? And there's a question that I want to end with. It has nothing to do with the text. But it's, it's from 
A story in the Bible, and I'm not going to get into that story. I'm just going to read the line because I'm using it for my punchline, if you would. Acts 19.15. This is a demon talking. This is a demon talking to people that had, they thought they had the sword of the spirit. They were, they they said, we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But they didn't know enough about it that they should have known. But they thought they had the sword of the Spirit, and they had nothing more than a butter knife. Huh? And so I'm going to let you go read on your own to figure out what happened in that story. But here's how, what the demon said to him: Jesus I know. Paul I know. But who are you? Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.